0: Well, thank you, everyone. It is good to be here with you. Uh, thank you, search committee, uh, church board, and your perseverance. How long has it been? Nine months. It's like uh, waiting for a child to be born, right? <laughs> yeah, finally here. And uh, Elvis, I'm here. Elvis, I'm physically here. And I too, like uh, Rod, I'm willing to participate with some of those gift cards. As as well, thank you, Pastor Pete, for the 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 welcome and and the blessing, the the prayer of blessing, and yes, thank you for the Giordano's pizza. I have determined, uh, but I'm willing to change my mind. I have determined that uh, Giordano's pizza is the best Chicago pizza. I didn't. Oh, sorry, sorry. I've offended somebody already. (laughs) What have I done? I won't tell you about my favorite sports teams, then. <laughs> yes, so thank you, uh, Downers Grove Church family, for welcoming us, my, my family, and uh, thank you for visitors that are here, Omega uh, Quartet Trio, for, for being here. We're gonna have to have you come back for, your, for, the, full, for the full group, and uh, for any guests, as well. Thank you so much all the way out from Oregon uh, to be here, as well. For those of you who are watching, also live and even recorded, uh, thank you for, for tuning in as well. We are grateful to be here together to worship Jesus because he is worthy to be worshipped. And uh, Jerry, thank you for being here as well and for your attempts, futile attempts. <laughs> to, uh, Jerry was the conference official that introduced me at Centralia Church. And so he's here to, um, I don't know, to grieve? You've been doing that for a while already, yes, yeah. Yeah. And so we'll catch up again at Oshkosh as well, Jerry. Uh, Thank you for being here and representing Washington Conference. Wonderful conference, I can't say enough good things about Washington Conference, the leadership there. I specifically, and I tell this to as many people as I can, Jerry, I specifically appreciate the Treasury Department at Washington Conference and, uh, and, and how you have treated myself and my family as well as the conference there. Uh, serving on the executive committee with you for the past several years has been a pleasure and uh, grateful for what the Lord has done there and what will do in Washington Conference and Illinois Conference. Is that okay? We are excited to what uh, Lord will do. And so today's message is entitled, Gird Up the Loins. Let's get ready. Let's pause for an added word of prayer. Lord, you are amazing. And you are fantastic. You are a good, good Father for what you have done in the past, for what you are doing today, and what you will do. So Lord, prepare. Prepare us for the journey ahead, this new chapter for Downers Grove Church family. And thank you for what you are about to do here. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have ever had uh, children? Gave birth to a child. And It's okay if you're a male to raise your hand as well. You you gave birth to. Remember that first uh, the firstborn, and the months leading up to that uh, the the birth of your first child. At Brooklyn is 11 years old. So I remember 11 years ago, almost 12 years ago, in preparation for Brooklyn being born, Daisy and I were were expecting. And if you remember being expectant parents, the type of preparation that went into that uh, birth of the first child, uh, what types of things did you do in, in, to prepare for the first child? Do you remember? What's that? You went to classes, Lamaze classes, how to breathe. You know how you were taught how to breathe, right? You don't want the the father the the husband to pass out. So you want to teach the father how to breathe. You want to teach the, the mother how to breathe as well. The mosque. What else did you do in preparation for your firstborn? Clothes. Prepare the room. Right? Right. Prepare your finances. Yeah, all of that. Read books. How many of you read the book uh, What? How to Expect When You Were Expecting? Is that right? Is that... What to Expect When You're Expecting. How many of you have actually read? Yeah, I've read that book as well. What to Expect When You Are Expecting. You do all sorts of things to prepare for that firstborn. Daisy and I, we took the classes. We went to all the appropriate uh, appointments medically uh, to prepare. Uh, I even went so far as to map out the exact route that I was going to take to the hospital. Right? And not only that, I did the alternate route as well. Jerry, if you remember Cedro-Wooley, Washington. Anybody ever been to Cedro-Wooley, Washington? <laughs> There's such a place, yes. We lived in Cedro-Wooley, Washington. I mapped out the main route uh, down Highway 9 all the way through Burlington, uh, through Burlington Boulevard, all the way across the river, the Skagit River into Mount Vernon, and then down College away boulevard to the hospital there, and then the alternate route was the back roads on Highway 9. I had it all. I wanted to be ready. I wanted to make sure that if there was any problem that I was ready for, that Daisy and I, that we were ready for the first, uh, our firstborn's birth. We took classes. We read books. I had the go bag. Remember the go bag? It was right there by the door. Everything in there ready to go. If, uh, if labor had started. The alternate route, we even did some research on how to uh, deliver the baby in the car. Has anybody ever done that? I mean, you hear the stories of the taxi cab driver having to deliver the baby in the car or the, the police officer who pulls over the speeding car unbeknownst to him because they're heading towards the hospital to deliver a baby. I wanted to be ready. This was our first board. We didn't know what really to expect, so we we were expecting the unexpected. And Then that night when labor began, remember that? Labor started and dutifully I took out the journal and we started uh, journaling. Okay, was that a contraction, Daisy? She said, I don't know. Maybe it was that fried pickle we just ate earlier today. But yeah, that was a contraction, then, and what do you do? You time the contraction, right? The frequency, the, the, the duration of the tr- contraction, the frequency of the contraction, and the intensity of the contraction. Now, with my background as a nurse, I'm documenting all of these things, and I think my wife is getting irritated with me. Daisy, what is the intensity of that last contraction? I don't know. With, well, on a scale of one to 10. I don't know. Well, compared to the last one, what was it? I don't know. And I'm trying to document all of these things just in case. We, we wanted to be ready with all of that information. But then the water broke. Oh, the water broke. What does that mean? We've got to go. I think my mother-in-law was there. Were, were you not? Uh, did we wake you up? I think we woke you up, right? Right. Did you come with us to the, to, yeah, yeah. We woke, She wanted to be there. We wanted to be ready. The water broke, so we get into the car. And, I, and it's all fuzzy to me. We get into the car, and I start the, the engine of the car. Then I remember I forgot the go bag. So I get out of the car, and I go to the door, but it's locked. Oh, it, the, the, the house key's on the the, the keychain of the car that I just started we want to be ready. We're doing all sorts of things. We want to prepare ourselves for that birth. And so we make it to the hospital. We're received into the hospital. No problem. Labor is continuing on. And labor was long. Uh, labor was long. But finally, uh, little Brooklyn is born to us. Brooklyn Claire Bartholomew. What a wonderful gift. Do you remember the, the birth of your firstborn? What a wonderful gift. And it is that child is the most beautiful child ever, right? Everybody else's is not so beautiful. I won't say ugly. Every other child is not as beautiful as your child. Baby Brooklyn was the most beautiful child ever. doesn't matter how wrinkly or pale or pink or whatever. Most beautiful gift. All of that getting ready for this fantastic gift that is put into your arms, the beating heart, the warmth emanating from that child, all of that was worth it. We wanted to be ready. You wanted to be ready. Jesus wants us to be ready. Peter wants us to be ready. With your Bible, would you please open your Bible to 1st Peter 1st Peter chapter 1 in scripture the apostle Peter wants us to be ready he's writing to believers in Jesus 1st Peter chapter 1 please open your Bibles read with me there Peter is writing to believers in Jesus throughout a region of what is now known as modern Turkey He's writing to those believers who are dispersed, spread out to the dysphoria of believers throughout that land in modern Turkey. These believers are experiencing all sorts of problems because of their belief in Jesus. Because they are Christians, they experience varying levels of grief. Various levels of suffering and slander and unjust Treatment. Have you ever experienced unjust treatment because of your belief in Jesus? Peter is writing to you. After this, his greeting, Peter describes God as one who has abundant mercy. Please read there 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. This is what Peter writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the what? In the last time. This is power-packed with all sorts of golden nuggets, just in these few verses. Peter describes God as one who has abundant mercy. Not just a little bit of mercy, a lot. Overflowing, abundant mercy. How many of you want to worship a God who has abundant worship? Amen. Peter describes God also as one who gives a living hope. Not just a hope that eventually dies, but an everlasting living hope. How many of you need a living hope this morning? How many of you know somebody who needs desperately a living hope? This is a God that I choose to worship today. One who has abundant mercy. One who has a living, vibrant, everlasting hope. Peter also describes there in those verses 3 to 5 as as one who is a giver of incorruptible inheritance. Incorruptible inheritance. My in-laws are here. They just live five miles away, is that right? About five miles away. That might be too close. (laughs) Maybe not close enough for you, right? There are probably things that you eye around the house now that all of your children are are close to you. Hey, maybe we can give that uh, to, to your son or to your daughters. And you're probably thinking, hey, what can we give as an inheritance? Right? But Papa Cass and Mama Lita, whatever you give to us that is physical, whatever possession is incorruptible. Is that right? Or is it corruptible? It's corruptible. It will fade away. At some point, that inheritance that you choose to give to your children will fade away. But what gift can you give to your children, your grandchildren, that is incorruptible? What gift can you give that can last for eternity? A relationship with Jesus Christ. A knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, as Peter describes here in verses 3 through 5, God is a giver of incorruptible gift of eternal life. He goes on to say, Peter writes, undefiled, and that does not fade away. In verse 5, Peter begins to describe the ones who follow Jesus. So Peter starts out in describing God as one who is abundant in mercy, uh, gives living hope, is a giver of incorruptible inheritance. And now Peter shifts into describing the people who follow Jesus. Let me read here verse 5 again. Who are kept by what? By the power of God through? Faith. Through faith. For? Salvation. salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. In the, ready to be revealed in the end of days, end of time. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are kept by the power of God through your faith in him for salvation. So if you're taking notes, these are the phrases that you need to write, or if you can underline in your scripture, underline kept by the power of God, write down power of God, through faith for salvation. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's how Peter chooses to describe you as a follower of Jesus. You are kept by God, by his power, through faith, for salvation. For salvation. The apostle Peter continues to describe the dispersed Christ followers in verses 6 through 9. Read with me there. 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The Christians that Peter is writing to in the dysphoria, the dispersed area of Turkey, he's saying, you people, you people rejoice. They rejoice in spite of various trials. Now, they may be grieving by those various trials, yet they still rejoice. How many of you are in the midst of a trial right now? Maybe a physical trial, a health trial, maybe a relationship trial, maybe an abusive trial. Maybe it's a financial trial, an emotional trial, a mental. Maybe you are just deep in depression This is your trial, yet if your focus is on Jesus, because of your focus on Jesus, Peter can write to you and say, in spite of your trial, you yet rejoice. Is Jesus worthy to be worshiped today? In spite of your trials, you can rejoice. Peter also describes these Christ followers as having genuine faith, right? Genuine faith. Has anyone ever accused you, Pastor Pete, of having genuine faith? Right? When was the last time time somebody accused you of having genuine faith? Is Peter writing to you? Would you like genuine faith? That would be nice wouldn't it be to have genuine faith for your co-workers to accuse you of having genuine faith for your family members to accuse you of having genuine faith oh when we keep our focus on jesus he gives us that gift of genuine faith this genuine faith is more precious than gold though it is though too it is tested and refined by fire or trials. This genuine faith in Jesus will be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What I take this to mean is that when you, in every circumstance that you find yourself in, if you find the character of Jesus Christ being lifted up, you give him the glory, the honor, and the praise. When you have genuine faith, genuine faith, you find every opportunity, even in the midst of trials, to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ for his character to be revealed. With this genuine faith, you believe that you are saved. And what do you need to be saved of? What do you need to be saved of? You need to be saved of from sin, from selfishness, from pride, from darkness, from oppression, from abuse. What do you need to be saved of today? When your focus is on Jesus, when your belief and your trust is on Jesus, you are saved. Saved from sin, saved from total destruction. Believing in Jesus, trusting in him, having faith in him will save you. How many of you have confidence in your salvation today? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe your confidence in salvation was yesterday. You're not too sure today because of what transpired this morning in trying to usher out your, your family. We've got to go to church. It's the first Sabbath of the new pastor. Are you sure in your salvation with Jesus Christ? How many of you would like to be sure in your salvation through Jesus Christ? You're just not sure, but you want to be sure. What a journey that you and I are going to go on. Let's uh, gird up our loins as we'll get to in verse 13. The prophets inquired and searched carefully into this saving grace. Peter writes about in verse 12. Faithful followers of God preach the good news gospel of this salvation. The process of saving sinful people and God's Son being sacrificed on the cross is of great interest to even the angels. God's created angels are looking down on this whole process that we're in. They're looking into And they are desperate to do whatever it takes for you and I to be saved. They look into, let's read this here in verse 12. To them it was revealed, to them the prophets, it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering to the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These things which angels desire to look into. The process of saving you through faith in Jesus, the angels are looking closer. They want to step into. It's that same concept of Peter peering into the empty grave of Jesus Christ. I want to see for myself. I wanted to experience for myself. The angels want to know exactly what this process is of saving you, a sinner. This mystery of the gospel is just that. It's a mystery. But if you've ever experienced this mystery of being saved, nothing else compares. When Jesus captures your heart, that is the best experience ever. And because of that experience of salvation, we now get to our verse of focus, verse 13. So in your Bible, look there. Verse 13, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins. Gird up the loins. Do we have your attention, Pastor Pete? Yeah, what does it mean to gird? The girth, it's to kind of put around, to encircle. All right? So if you're going to gird something, you're going to put something around. Right? And if you're going to gird your loins, what are, what are your loins? Your loins are the lower part of your, your um, middle portion of your body. And so if you're going to gird your loins, you're going to cover or surround the lower portion of your middle section. In times of Jesus, people would wear long robes. I'm going to refrain from putting this on. So if you see a robe that goes pretty much all the way down to your ankles, to your feet, this is the outer garment, the outer the, the robe that people would wear uh, in Jesus' time. And so when Peter is saying, gird up your loins, he's imagining, if you could imagine with, with Peter, wearing a long robe. Some of you are wearing long dresses. right? Gird up your loins. And so what they would do if you're preparing for physical work or if you wanted to run a race, you would gird up your loins. you would take the front part of your garment, bring it all the way back Let's see if I can do this <laughs> come all the way around and then bring it all the way around, maybe tuck it or tie it, tuck it into your belt, you would gird your loins. and once you did that, now you are free from your Garment to do the work that you are wanting to do. To run the race, maybe, as Paul would encourage us. Can you imagine running a race in a full-length uh, robe? Right? Can you imagine doing your work, physical labor, uh, with a long robe? And so what Peter is saying is, gird up your loins. But he's not saying, gird up your physical uh garment, right? How many of you actually came with long robes today? He continues to write here in, in verse 13, gird up the loins of your, your mind. Your mind. So if you can imagine this mental exercise that Peter is advocating in response to Jesus' salvific act at the cross because of his saving act at the cross gird up the loins prepare your mind for the journey ahead prepare your minds do whatever it takes gather up whatever is hindering your ability to do the work that is ahead of you gird up the loins of your minds prepare prepare Get the go bag ready, right? Map out the various routes, routes to the hospital in preparation for the birth of your child. Read all the books that you need to read about. And here later on, we'll, we'll read about what patriarchs and prophets has to say about this as well. There's this mental exercise that Peter is wanting us to go through. Gird the loins of your mind, preparing your minds to do the gospel work ahead whatever it is that clouds your mind towards the things of God whatever it takes space in your mind get just put those aside get ready for the next chapter of Downers Grove Church family are you ready do you want to be ready yeah. you've been waiting right Or maybe it's already been happening. Maybe you you have been ready. But there is this next step in your journey, individually and even collectively as a church family, that Peter is advocating. Gird the loins of your minds. These past few months, weeks, and days, what are the things that have kept you from connecting with Jesus? Has work been clouding your minds? Is it people? Is it friends? Is it family members? Maybe it's an addiction Maybe it's media of some sort that is distracting you from the work that God is calling you to do. You see, Jesus is worth it. His sacrifice on the cross is worth it to get ready for this next step of your spiritual journey. Say goodbye to those things which get in the way of fully following the Lord. Let's read this whole passage. Let's start again in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. What does it mean to be sober? Be in your right mind, right? Don't let anything cloud. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon what? Upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am, God says, am holy. And so if we were to bring this all together now, gird the loins of your minds For this journey ahead to be holy as God is holy. Let me be clear here. You cannot be holy on your own ability. There's no amount of physical uh, activity that can make you can make yourself holy. You cannot go to the store, Joe, and buy holiness off of the shelves. You can't go to the self-help section of the bookstore and find a book that will cause you to be holy. What is the only thing that can cause you to be holy? By beholding the one who is holy. The more that you keep your eyes on Jesus, the more that you allow his holiness to capture your unholiness will transform your unholiness into His holiness. Are you ready? Are you ready to gird the loins of your mind? To be on this journey of holiness with the one who is holy. Because of the salvation of Jesus, he is worthy to be worshipped, he is worthy to gird the loins of our minds, and to be holy as he is holy. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 8. If you want to be holy as he is holy, if you want to prepare your mind, if you want to gird the loins of your mind, watch this. Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You want to prepare your mind for the journey ahead? You want to be holy as God is holy? Think on these things. Don't worry about the negativity. Right? And there is negativity in your life, is there not? Don't be so focused on the darkness and the chaos that swirls in your life. Hey, don't worry about those tweets that come out every day. Don't worry about the political rhetoric. I mean, it's out there. You can be aware of it. That's fine. But don't be so entrenched in those things that it keeps your mind off of the things that God really wants you to be mindful of. Think on these things which are worthy. Gird the loins of your mind. Patriarchs and Prophets, page four hundred sixty. The author writes after quoting Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, This will require earnest prayer. <laughs> yes, it will. This will require earnest prayer and unceasing watchfulness. We must be aided by the abiding influence of the Holy Spirit, which will attract the mind upward and habituate it to dwell on pure and holy things. And we must give diligent study of the word of God. You want to prepare the loins of your mind? Think on these things with diligent prayer. Diligent prayer, abiding influence of the Holy Spirit, which will attract your mind where? Upward. Upward. Habituated to dwell on Pure and holy things. We must be diligent to study God's word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word, says the psalmist, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You want to gird the loins of your mind? Be ready for what's ahead? Open up the word of God. Dwell there. Gain the spiritual truths, the nuggets that he has in store for you. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare yourself for the journey ahead. I'm wondering if you're wanting to be ready for the journey ahead. Are you ready? Do you want to be ready? Do you want to gird the loins of your mind for the journey ahead? You're tired of the darkness and the chaos that you've been a part of. You're, you're tired of the addiction. You're tired of the filth that you've been in. You want to gird the loins of your mind and be ready for this journey ahead. Is that you here today? Can we make that commitment, church family, to gird the loins of our minds starting today? Even, maybe even a recommitment. Is that okay? a recommitment to that. And maybe there is someone here who has never truly committed to preparing their minds for this journey ahead. If that's you, pull me aside. Talk to somebody. Pull aside an an elder and say, I want to, for the first time in my life, be fully committed to the spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. I want to be ready. I'm tired of all the stupidity in my life in the past. I need a change. If that's you for the first time, pull me aside. Pull somebody aside. Talk to somebody. And let's journey together in this. Let's keep our minds and our hearts, our view of Jesus in mind. And so if you're wanting to, to gird the loins of your minds today, I want to invite you to stand with me to sing our closing hymn. Our closing hymn is found in hymn, uh, the hymn book, hymn number 5, 4,